This episode is sponsored by Tenuity. Media is no longer a mass reach vehicle. Fragmentation is an understatement. Media is now about connecting with people in a personalized way, in a way that respects their data privacy. Rethink media, rethink performance with Tenuity the largest independent performance marketing firm across streaming TV and the triopoly of Google, Facebook, and Amazon. Find out how at RethinkPerformance.com. But there's been a lot more conversations around what is this media? What is it doing for our brand? And how is it improving our top of funnel performance and increasing the number of people that are coming into our funnel? Hey gang, it's Thursday, December 22nd. Listeners, welcome to the Behind the Numbers Daily, an e-marketer podcast made possible by Tenuity. I'm Marcus. Today's fact. Reading may relieve anxiety and stress by up to 68%, nearly 70%, according to a study by the University of Sussex. Also, uh, reading can relax your uh, body by lowering your heart rate and easing the tension in your muscles, rather than just making a cup of tea or coffee during break time. I'm sure reading can relieve anxiety or stress. Depends on what you're reading, doesn't it? Little Stephen King? Not so much. Anyway, today's real topic is a conversation between our very own Director of Briefings, Jeremy Goldman, and the CEO of Blisspoint Media, now part of Tenuity, Stephanos Metaxis. And they'll be talking about how brands are reacting to macroeconomic trends, how advertisers think of video and audio as acquisition channels, and much, much more. Stephanos, I'm yeah, I'm glad that we are getting a chance to dive into a whole lot of different topics today. So thank you so much for joining us. First, wanted to ask you, just at the top, maybe it's good to level set and just tell me a little bit about what your role is as the chief strategy officer for Blisspoint Media, now part of Tenuity. For sure. It's a pleasure to be here. So I lead the client strategy and analytics part of the of Blisspoint. So what we do is that we're the main group that interacts with our clients and speaks to our clients. And so the idea is that we are peers to all our clients. We are people that they can turn to for strategy. They can turn to for how they should be optimizing their streaming audio and video campaigns and work with them to really further the goal, their goals of their business. Yeah. And I wanted to ask you, because I feel like you have a really good vantage point when it comes to this. I wanted to speak to you to, just to get a pulse of how brands are reacting to the overall macro environment. We've recently reported on some of the more positive signs out there, but there's a lot of not so great signs mm -hmm. and feel like a lot of people are a bit confused. Are they still digging in and preparing for the worst or is it more nuanced than that? It's definitely more nuanced. And it's going to depend a lot on what industry you're in. There are certain industries that have been hard hit by everything that's happening from a macro perspective, and there are other ones that are potentially finding a silver lining in all of this. What I will say is that in the way that we approach the we approach video on our end allows our clients to know what kind of return they're driving with their advertising. And so once you know that and you're able to compare that to everything else that you're doing across the entirety of your business, you're able to decide whether this is profitable for you or not. And so for some clients, it's continued to be very profitable and they are expanding. And for others, they're finding that the macro environment is impacting demand for their services and they're potentially pulling back. 
So it's very much a mix. The important thing is to know where you are at and be able to measure where you're at so that you can make the right decisions. And I think another thing that's really interesting is potentially people focusing on different parts of the funnel that they and then they might otherwise, right? Because obviously you want to push people down the funnel, but there are some people, to your point, that might not be ready to make a purchase now, especially a larger purchase when they're not sure about a few things. So are people shifting spend around accordingly? They are. I actually have been surprised lately by how much interest there has been in increasing overall top of funnel activity. One shift that's happened since I started working in this industry about four and a half years ago now is that when we were first discussing with most of our clients and especially direct-to-consumer clients, it was everything was around the bottom of the funnel. And it largely continues to be. Everybody is trying to drive low cost of acquisition, like really efficient results for their business at the end of the day. But there's been a lot more conversations around what is this media, what is it doing for our brand and how is it improving our top of funnel performance and increasing the number of people that are coming into our funnel. And it has been surprised, a little surprising that this coincided with everything that's happening from a macro environment. But I think it also comes with, for, especially for direct-to-consumer brands, people realizing, okay, we need to start reaching new audiences. We need to start improving that top of funnel performance because we might have saturated the audiences that are, we're most likely to convert at this time. And they're trying to look ahead as to what's coming next. From a lot of the brands that I speak to, a lot of them are thinking more about video and audio closer to acquisition channels rather than just these are places where we run campaigns. They're thinking about them in a little bit more of a sophisticated mindset to the way that you would think about search and social as acquisition channels. How do you recommend to clients that they think about video and audio in relation to some other kind of legacy acquisition vehicles? So I think thinking of them as acquisition channels is the correct way. So that we feel very strongly about that at Blitzpoint. So we started off by really focusing in on driving bottom funnel results for our clients. And we that's what we continue to do. In terms of how it compares, right? So for, we truly believe that you should be putting your money in places that drive the best performance. If you're seeing that your search and your social performance is far outperforming what you're doing on video, you should be putting more into search and social. Now, those aren't going to grow infinitely, right? At some point, you're going to hit decreasing marginal returns. And that's usually when we're talking to our clients or potential clients that want to jump into the space or are considering jumping into the space. And so at that point, once we run our first test, once we start getting our signals, you need to have a conversation, right? How does this actually compare to the rest of your channels and decide if it's worth the money that you're putting into it? I know it's hard to make a broad pronouncement about a particular industry, but that being said, I'm going to ask you anyway, are there specific industries that you've noticed where, hey, I'm surprised, but social performs particularly well there? And likewise, are there certain where just audio just really pops and really performs well? Yeah, so I would say the one that I found interesting that we were a little surprised by going into was business to business. And usually when you think of a medium like video and audio, you're thinking about something that will generally be consumed or bought by a lot of different people. And we have actually found quite a bit of quite a bit of responsiveness when it comes to B2B advertising on the platforms. 
I'd say especially on the audio side on that front seems to be a pretty good spot for it because it can be very targeted. With this podcast, for example, you can be very targeted with who you're reaching and reaching the right audience. But video also has a lot of opportunity in that sense too, especially potentially in more short form online video, if you want to go in that direction, but full episode player as well. So I would say that's been a little bit of a surprise, but in terms of direct to consumer brands, for example, they can do very well on both. So both video and audio, and I will add to that linear television, we have seen some some clients do very well there, especially if they're potentially targeting a slightly older demographic. No, it's really interesting. I think it's obviously it's such a really interesting space to be playing around now when you're thinking about acquisition. And I don't know if it's uh, what you're finding, but I've definitely found that the average advertiser is just a lot more sophisticated in thinking about things like incrementality and attribution and how different channels reinforce one another. What are you finding in terms of how beneficial it is to run a campaign in, in different channels, let's say, give or take, rather than just throw something on social and not have all those other channels to reinforce your hero channel, if you will? So I'll start by noting that it is a really great evolution that marketers are focused so much on incrementality and understanding how all the channels work together. It is so important, right? And as you, as we're in a world right now where things are becoming much more fragmented in the sense that you're not able to compare who you acquire through one channel and compare that to another channel very easily because of the walled gardens that have been created out there. And so with streaming specifically, what we focus on is a new product that we're rolling out, which is always on incrementality. And the idea is to understand the incremental value both for our campaigns, but also for how they're working together with everything else that you have running right now. And so really understanding what volume and what kind of revenue your ads are driving. And so it is a really nice, the fact of working with a partner like West Point, the, one of the big advantages is that you can view all that in a single place and you're not facing buys, let's say, with every single publisher out there and then trying to figure out, okay, how do I bring all these results together to understand what my total volume and return is. I'm glad that you mentioned that because I think that <laughs> we're covering this at Insider Intelligence every single day, that there are more and more options and where where you can buy ads and number of high profile streaming platforms like Disney and Netflix recently allowed advertisers to run ads on their services too. So it's one more place where you've got to consider if you're an advertiser. I'm wondering from your perspective, how should advertisers be thinking about these new opportunities? Let's think about advertising based video on demand services in general. First of all, of course, it depends on who they're trying to reach, right? So if you feel like the actual, like the new platform that you want to test or just video as a whole could potentially reach the right kind of consumer, then absolutely. I think it's worth testing and you can do so at not, it's not cheap. I will say that compared to going on and buying a hundred dollars on Facebook or something like that of advertising, but it's also not incredibly expensive. Like it potentially used to be when you had to run like very large linear campaign to be able to start picking up a, a signal. And so. I think it's absolutely worth testing if you feel like you are going to be reaching the right people and the right demographic for the product that you are trying to sell. In terms of what is happening in the marketplace, I think it's very positive. Every single publisher out there is either already or thinking about going to some kind of ad-supported revenue model. 
And that increases the possibility of who you're going to reach on this type of media pretty significantly to the point where I would say, if you don't already have some kind of thoughts around how am I going to test this? Who can I work with? You should be thinking about this. Yeah, it's a really good point, especially just given the fact that the first people who play around with a new ad channel tend to be the ones to perfect their targeting, essentially like the second or the third campaign that they run. So there's certain there's a value in not just trying, but sticking with and optimizing. Yeah, I agree. I think the way that we think about it is very much in an evergreen fashion, right? So this is for video advertising, especially thinking about having an always on campaign that we are optimizing throughout and making sure that we are reaching the right people and that we're seeing the right response from those people and the right cost of acquisition metrics for our clients. And so it's just, it is always on, it is optimized very frequently, and we make sure that you're driving the returns that you need. So I, as a former agency guy, I felt like one of the worst things was I was somewhat educated about all these different metrics and strategies, but then the problem is sometimes you've got to convince somebody to go with you and to follow essentially what you're saying and to focus on like the right KPIs. So how much of a challenge is that right now? Or do you feel that the average client is pretty educated in terms of what they want to accomplish and you're just really guiding them ever so slightly? I definitely say our clients are very educated in what they want to accomplish. And it's always just a pleasure working with them. A lot of the clients that we work with were really grew up in a sense within the marketing space it in a digital first environment, right? If you want to think of it that way, where they're used to talking about the metrics, they're used to talking about metrics that we mention every day, whether it's cost of acquisition, their return on their ad spend or something else, they know that those are really the primary drivers for their business. And so all we need to do is align on what the appropriate metrics are, understand what things look like across other channels for them in order to guide them toward a media plan that really makes sense. From there on, we are very transparent with our analysis and we make sure that everything that we do is reproducible and so that they can check our math in a sense and make sure that we are giving them the right metrics and the right information. And from there, it's pretty easy to make a business decision once you have all that information and we're here to help with those decisions. And just speaking of decisions, I know I have to let you go in a minute, but I think that I'm just really curious and thinking about the year ahead, are there particular channels or platforms or ways of targeting that you're particularly excited about that you're paying very close attention to? Probably too many to list off. There's a lot going on in the space. We have another 17 minutes. Yeah, let's just go forever. <laughs> but seriously, I know there's definitely a ton. I would say for me, one of the biggest ones, of course, is Netflix, right? That's the one that everyone is talking about. So that's just a really exciting opportunity for a lot of advertisers out there. Disney Plus is the other really big one, right? So just the amount of excitement and the potential for incremental audience and incremental volume to drive through those platforms is really exciting. I think that there's a lot we can learn still around them and experiment with and do. But I would say those are the really the biggest, the biggest drivers. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a really exciting year ahead. I could definitely continue this further. Maybe we'll do a part two offline sometime. But Stefanos, this was really fantastic. Thank you so much for making the time. Definitely. Great to meet you, Jeremy. 
All right, folks, time for the second half of the show, which me and Jeremy will be tackling for you. Jeremy, thanks for sticking around for a bit. Yeah, thank you. Uh, today, in other news, how is Netflix's ad-supported tier getting on and the rise of skyvertising? Story one, how is Netflix's ad-supported tier getting on? Sarah Krauss of the Wall Street Journal notes that the streaming giant's $7 a month ad-supported plan accounted for 9%, just 9% of new signups in the US in November, according to subscription analytics company Antenna. They estimate that of the folks who signed up to the ad-supported plan, of those folks, nearly 6 out of 10 subscribers to the ad-supported tier in the first month were people rejoining the service or signing up for the first time, rejoining or signing up for the first time. The other four, four out of 10 were downgrading from pricier plans. Netflix said um, that there were inaccuracies in Antenna's figures, however. But Jeremy, the takeaway from this news is blank. Jury is out. You know, the takeaway is really there are a lot of different services that the average consumer can you know, spend their money on these days, right? And uh, as a result, they want their money to go a little bit further. Uh, and it, it seems very, very clear that Netflix has its uh, work cut out for it, getting people not to downgrade from pricier plans. I mean, it's important to note that HBO Max, when they launched their own uh, $10 a month uh, plan back in June 2021, uh, they had, generally speaking, stronger results. They got more new signups in the first month. And they weren't pulling people down from its premium tier in the way that Netflix did just now. Yeah, that's a really good point. And the Wall Street Journal uh, article was pointing out the share of uh, subscribers on the ad tiers of other streaming platforms. Around 20% of HBO Max subscribers in the US are on the ad tier. 20%, uh, nearly 60% of Hulu subscribers are on the ad tier, according to Antenna. And uh, some 90% of Peacock subscribers are on its ad-supported plan, according to NBC Universal. Story two. The rise of skyvertising may be upon us, writes Alex Fitzpatrick of Axios. He notes that increasingly sophisticated drone show technology that lets swarms of tiny lit-up drones fly in sync to display well-known logos, characters, and more is pushing skyvertising to new heights, a combination of the word sky and advertising. Examples include Candy Crush, recently launching 500 drones from New Jersey, just across the water from downtown Manhattan to celebrate the game's 10th anniversary. Another would be another example would be the NBA deploying a drone ad over the Hudson River to promote its 2022 draft this past summer. But Jeremy, the likelihood of skyvertising catching on is blank. Relatively high. And I will say... Oh, really? Tell yeah. me. Uh, well, over time, I mean, th this is one of those things where right. I, I got to th thinking about, well, where is this going to fit into our uh, forecasts, of course, eventually, if it does uh, take off, you know, no pun intended. Um, is it pun intended. Under, uh, yes. Is it, is it under digital out-of-home advertising, for instance, you know? And I think one of the key mm. things is <laughs> that this st stands out to the consumer. You know, the consumer notices this. Now, it is relatively costly, obviously, to make one of these things pop. And I think that there will be regulations. Uh, but I think that the idea that we're going to see more and more of this uh, in the years to come, I think is pretty likely. Uh, I mm. think that 
generally speaking, whenever you can monetize a space, eventually it does happen. But I think that there will probably be some local and federal rules that will be put around it. Yes, where you can do this. So it's not just everywhere all the time. Great points. Mr. Fitzpatrick of Axios pointing out that using aircraft to get consumers' attention has been happening forever. The country's oldest banner plane outfit, Paramount Air Service, is based in southern New Jersey. Uh, It's been operating since 1945. However, yeah, regulation probably will be on its way. Uh, Some folks worrying about the environmental concerns and what so many drones with lights could do to migration patterns of birds and things. That's all we've got time for for this episode. Jeremy, thank you so much for hanging out. Pleasure as always. Thank you to Stefanos, who joined us in the first half of the show. And thank you, of course, to Victoria, who edits the show. And thanks to Lance, who is editing this episode of the podcast. Thanks to everyone listening in. We'll see you tomorrow for the Behind the Numbers Weekly Listen Super Duper Multiple Choice Tournament Final of 2022. The Weekly Listen, of course, is an e-marketer podcast made possible by Tenuity. Tenuity.